You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Think again with Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio. 855am on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. Welcome to our 69th program of Think Again, our 27th remote program in the time of the coronavirus. Think Again is produced by Borderlands Cooperative, an organization dedicated to social change for almost 23 years. I'm Jacques Bouré and my usual co-host and conversation partner Jennifer Morel isn't with us today, but I'm joined by Bill Genat, living on the shores of Western Port Bay, trying to prevent the AGL gas import jetty project from endangering Western Port's marine ecosystem. Welcome to the program, Bill. Thanks, Jacques, and thanks to Think Again and 3CR for inviting me along. Most of you will have suffered through various recent announcements by the what I call coalition government that it now wants to be referred to as the Gazishan government, apparently, having uh-huh. shifted its undying love for fossil fuels from coal to gas. Even if gas is strangely referred to as a transition source of energy, one is left wondering where the fossils addict's undying love will switch to after that transition is over. I have to say that the sophistry surrounding the new miraculous technologies that are going to be developed leave me rather doubtful. In any case, they already are shifting funding away from renewables and to its rather harebrained schemes, some of which have been questioned by scientists and by economists alike as to their viability and timeliness to prevent catastrophic global warming. We know, of course, that gas gas extraction, transport and burning causes as much or about as much CO2 and other global warming gases as coal. We also know how the idea came about, appointing a few gas industry former execs and friends of the coalition on the COVID committee to plan the economic recovery after the pandemic. Easy peasy. As well, as Mark Zunzak from the Tax Justice Network, Network told us last week, the gas corporations supposed to transition us to a carbonless future enjoy quite some tax advantages, of course. One aspect of this gas romance is strangely absent from local public awareness. How is all that gas going to get to us from wherever it's extracted from, to our gas cookers and heaters? And that's where today's guest is going to help us. Welcome again to Think Again, Bill. So first off, could you tell us a bit about your background, your personal story leading to your involvement with the AGL Gas Import Jetty project, just to help our listeners to come to know you a bit. So what's your story? Thanks, Jacques. 
Um, I'm a Melbourne boy from the southeast suburbs who grew up in the 50s and 60s there and um, at school had an interest in Aboriginal Australians through an interesting program then called the Secondary Schools Aboriginal Affairs Fund. And in terms of my social action interests, that was quite early and I ended up at the Federal Council for the Advancement of Torres Strait Islanders and Aboriginal Peoples Conference in Canberra in 1969, where black power was prominent. Also at that time in my late teens, we faced the prospect of being drafted in the war, in the Vietnam War, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and um, I ended up at Monash University in the early 1970s studying arts and the progressive politics at that time with the moratoriums and so on, Mm, mm. and became interested in progressive social action work um, from that. And I went to Melbourne University and decided social work could be a career, but other than studying Paul and Anne Ehrlich's 1970 publication, Population, Resources and Environment, with the wonderful Della Sargent, I found social work was a bit of a cul-de-sac for me there with its emphasis on individuals, if you like. I was more interested in social action. Uh, So I abandoned university, went to Western Australia and ended up studying Aboriginal anthropology with Ronald and Catherine Burnt Mm -hmm. at the University of Western Australia. So, yeah, they were traditional anthropologists but Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, and I did a degree and got offered an opportunity to go on and study further but I decided to go and meet a few Aboriginal people myself first and ended up working in the East Kimberley with the Mirong Gudgerong Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. and from there I've just stayed in the area of Aboriginal health Mm -hmm. and um, got interested in community development and action research as you as we've mm-hmm. said mm-hmm. previously, and um, currently I've got an adjunct appointment at Melbourne Uni and I work at Vacho doing evaluation research, mm-hmm. the Victorian mm-hmm. Aboriginal Controlled Community Health Organisation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so the, the, the environmental interest comes from quite early on and, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. most of my work has actually been in... Uh, in Aboriginal health, uh, health sociology, community development, mm. action research. Uh-huh. Looks like a similar gold de sac kind of thing I experienced and then very meandering. But let's move to the real reason we're having this conversation. Could you describe briefly what the AGL is cooking up in Western Port Bay and in Crib Point and how that fits into the full, the full tragedy of the government's gas-led transition? Well, hopefully it won't lead into the full tragedy of that. <laughs> all goes well. But the situation is that Victoria's had a, a massive gas field in Bass Strait that mm-hmm. depended mm-hmm. on for 50 years. And so it's um, that the gas has been cheap and people have set up infrastructure domestically and in industry relying on the gas. And AGL is relying on government inertia and business as usual 
absent any renewable transition such as demand management and incentivising the transition mm. to mm. maintain that dependency, to keep, to keep us on the breast, you know, and uh, keep us dependent on their feed of natural, in inverted Mm. commas, gas. So AGL is proposing to dock a heavy industrial plant in the form of a ship. It's called a Floating Storage and Regasification Unit, an FSRU, at the jetty in the sleepy coastal village of Crib Point within a wetland of international significance. So the um, the FSRU, the Floating Storage and Regasification Unit, this ship is 300 metres long, 50 metres wide and 50 metres high. For those of you needing to get a kind of a perspective on that, it's equal in size to the Ruby Princess cruise ship. Mm. It's just a, it's maybe 5 or 10 metres just less, less high. Or if you know the Ming Wing, the Menzies building at Monash University, it's the same height and twice as long, and we know how that building stands out on the landscape. That's that's what we've got coming. The AGL proposal is for this industrial plant to sit docked at the Crib Point Jenny for 20 years Mm -hmm. to receive Mm -hmm. imported liquid natural gas, which is actually methane, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. from between 20 to 40 uh, tankers, LNG tankers, coming into Crib Point up Western Port Bay a year to store the liquid natural gas at minus 163 degrees Celsius, which is it's actually methane, this stuff, a highly dangerous gas in terms of rapid climate change. Mm. This ship, this FSRU, regasifies the liquid gas by pumping sea, in, bringing seawater in. Um, and doing that, and in doing that, they chlorinate the water to kill all the creatures or microbes in it and to keep the pipes clean. And it goes through the ship and uh, it, this process cools the seawater and it's pumped out at seven degrees below the ambient temperature it came in at, and it's pumped through at the rate of 468,000 cubic metres per day at the rate of five metres at a, at a current, an equivalent current of five metres a second. And so the gas goes off this industrial ship mm-hmm. um, into Crib, like it goes off the jetty into Crib Point and is pumped to Pakenham which is through the second component of this development, which Mm -hmm. is the pipeline from Crib Point to Pakenham. So Mm -hmm. in a nutshell, that's the the picture. That's That's pretty pretty scary. scary. Pretty scary. (laughs) Well, it's it's extraordinary because Mm -hmm. Crib Point's this sleepy little town. It's got some uh, petroleum tanks that are leftovers from the 1960s that are Mm -hmm. prominent on the foreshore. Mm. But it's not an industrial town. It's they do take petrol in on ships there, um, mm-hmm. as a as an industry. But it's not heavy industry. It's mm. very, very sleepy, and this is a transformative proposal. My goodness, 
Phew, we better probably get some music now to <laughs> have that boil down a little bit in our brains. Uh, we'll hear uh, War Orphans by Frank DiSario, and f- that will be followed by a promo. It's Dr. Mark Winnetong here. Coronavirus has certainly changed the way we live, work and connect. These changes can be hard for some of us and can make us feel no good in our head or spirit, like sad or worried all the time. Some of us might already be dealing with other things like sickness, trauma, and this can make it really hard for us to feel good about anything at the moment. If you're feeling like this, remember, it's okay to ask for help. Have a yarn to someone you trust, like your family or an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander health worker. You can also call Beyond Blue, Lifeline or the Kids Helpline to talk to someone or look at some helpful information at headtohealth.gov.au on the internet. 
a 3CR supporter. You're listening to Think Again on 3CR 855 AM on your dial, 3CR digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. Today, we're talking about gas, as every thinking citizen in this country is uh, supposed to do, apparently. So, Bill, what are the problems with all of this? I remember discussions about creating a new container port at uh, Western Port Bay some time ago and several other projects which were supposed to happen during the last few decades. But this story seems strangely absent from public commentary. So please enlighten us a bit. Um, well, yeah, the uh, Western Port Bay is a um, such a, an amazingly beautiful place and it's got this with French Island and the wetlands undebted, which are mm-hmm. internationally recognised under the 1982 Ramsar Convention. There's almost 60,000 hectares of large, shallow intertidal areas mm-hmm. dissected by deeper channels and narrow coastal strips of coastal land. It's the ecosystem is very complex, the physical, chemical and biological parts of it from the large scale to the very small. It's incredibly dynamic. There's all these interdependencies between the organisms and their populations and communities. In It's got nine critical components according to the Ramsar Convention that are internationally significant. The geomorph, for instance, the geomorphology, the seagrass, the mangroves, the salt marsh, significant flora species, water birds, marine invertebrates, fish, and other fauna. Um, the the area is in the sixties. It was supposed to be the Ruhr Valley of <laughs> Victoria mm-hmm. under Henry Balty in the nineteen sixties. So. I think they must have been to Germany and they wanted to set up this industrial hub. Mm-hmm. And so Hastings, Crib Point, French Island were all included in that vision. In fact, BHP and SO owned a lot of land on French Island and there was a proposal for a nuclear power plant on French Island. Mm. That land is now National Park and mm. there was a massive campaign to oppose all that back in that era. Even since then, there's been the Crib Point community's been active opposing a bitumen plant at Crib Point um, in about a couple of decades ago, and Mm -hmm. a successful community action prevented this. So there's this perspective in the minds of uh, policymakers that Western Port's some sort of industrial wasteland or waiting to be developed or potential, you know, so on. But in actual fact, it's this incredibly sensitive uh, wetland side mm-hmm. of massive significance mm-hmm. and um, and we all want to protect it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is there other groups there who are collaborating with you to figure it out? Or- uh, there's, oh, look, there's so many. There's a lot of very active um, groups. There's the Save Western Port, which has been running a fantastic campaign to increase people's awareness of uh, the situation and what's being proposed. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, 
that group and they're linked to Environment Victoria who've done a lot of work and done a lot of Zoom sessions through COVID mm. to bring people together. There's 15,000 submissions being submitted to the um, okay. mm. to the uh, Crib Point Independent mm. Advisory Committee, which is mm. responses to the environmental effects statement. So there's a lot of groups. There's a Dolphin Research mm. Institute. Mm. There's um, the UNESCO Biosphere reserve people um there's a lot of groups who are engaged with this yeah mm. uh it, it just because it's strangely absent from like the newspapers like the age and so you rarely see anything about it i knew from the from environment victoria but uh, other than that you rarely hear about it but let's on that note probably do need another breather and have another promo yeah, join me at 11 every Friday for some black and deadly sound. Appreciate Community Radio 855 on your end Voice of the people the people. Black and deadly Friday, Robbie Fort Radic Radio 855 on your end Voice of the people the people. Black and deadly Friday, Robbie Fort Radic Radio. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio 855 AM on digital and online. 3CR Radical Radio. You're listening to Think Again, 3CR 855 AM on your dial, 3CR digital and streaming live, not live actually, and streaming at 3cr.org.au. Today we're talking with Bill Janat about the intended gas project in Western Port Bay. So Bill, I already asked about the other groups and the pro and country. What are the chances of preventing this potentially catastrophic project to happen? What is the process your and the other group's submissions are to follow? Uh, well, Jacques, the, um, the planning minister, the Victorian planning minister required the proponents, AGL, mm. and their partners, APA, which is the pipeline company, to prepare an environmental effects statement. So they've produced, um, I, someone estimated that it's 11,000 11, pages. It's comprised of a summary, introductory chapters, 26 main chapters, about 16 technical reports, <laughs> about sixteen, about 10 attachments and so on. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. And we've had 40 days to respond to this. So there's a plethora of information, and so there's been there's been um, five thousand formal responses gone in, and environmental environment Victoria has one uh, submission that's gone in with nine thousand attachments. Mm. So it's a massive response from the community. Um, the the hearings are live. Uh, there's the Crib Point Independent Advisory Committee website, which you can Google. Mm-hmm. And so they start on Monday week, the mm-hmm. public hearings. Um, the planning minister asked for the environmental effects statement to identify interested stakeholders and their issues and concerns. Mm-hmm. But I've done a, myself in terms of the work I've done on this is I've identified that they haven't done that terribly rigorously. Mm-hmm. And so that there's a, the fact that they got they collected primary data mm-hmm. from 
three landowners mm. oh, <laughs> and, God. and four community groups. Mm. Um, that's the primary data. Everything mm. else is pretty much secondary data. Mm. And mm. So they've they've got six or seven respondents mm. in, in terms of primary data, but then mm. fifteen thousand submissions have gone into the yeah, yeah, yeah. committee. Tells you that you know there's been a problem with their research methods. Right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Bill. What can listeners do to assist in preventing this rather harebrained project to go ahead? Where, where can they find more information, and who or what? Should they try and access to get involved? Um, I think that looking at the Save Westernport website and um, they've got some ideas about how you can support their campaign. Mm -hmm. So that's on Google. You can go to the Crib Point Independent Advisory Committee website that's part of Planning Panels, Planning Victoria, to mm-hmm. read about the hearing process. You can mm-hmm. read the submissions from the people who submitted to that mm-hmm. and and the issues. And I think talking it up and the fact that it isn't in the age, actually talking it up and getting the word about, I mean, we're, we're a bit sort of removed down here in Western Port from, from the mainstream of the city, mm-hmm. but the more people can talk yeah. it up and bring mm-hmm. it into people's awareness, mm-hmm. um, the more the more um, sensitive the government will become to those um, yep. to those to those uh, to people's yeah yeah Ooh, thank you Bill for this rather threatening but welcome <laughs> bit of information it sounds as if our struggles to preserve a sustainable and healthy livelihood seem unlikely to get any easier nevertheless they are essential. So thanks also for agreeing to speak with us on 3CR. Given the declining quality and integrity of our national press and the other media, the importance of community-based and controlled information and general news is growing by the day. On some other news, the next issue of the new community is about to come out with lots of stories about how communities have managed to live through the coronavirus and with contributions about how we could work towards another normal after the pandemic will allow us to get out and about and to start working towards an economy that puts the protection and the assistance of the ecology first. So thanks, Bill, and good luck. Yeah, thanks, Jack. Yeah, we'll mm. appreciate the opportunity to talk. Mm. Thanks for listening to Think Again on 3CR Community Radio with Jacques Boulet and this week with Bill Genat. Remember, if you want to send us a message or ask about anything from today's program, you can email borderlands, borders at borderlands.org.au. Just put Think Again in the subject line. Our programs are available by podcast and the uh, 3CR website at 3cr.org.au. We would also like to thank Clive Vaughan for recording this program and for making sure that it gets broadcast on 3CR while Bill and I connected remotely. Meanwhile, stay tuned for the following program, Jailbreak, which gives a voice to prison inmates, their families and friends. And to bring us into this program, we have World Turning by Yothu Yindi. <laughs> 